Hello and welcome to another episode of Vancouver Know Your Neighbor. I am your host Pranav Tamburnikar. Today I have with me Thomas Eskin. We had a conversation about death. Why do we fear death? How when we mourn for the loss of our loved ones, we actually mourn for our own selves? How can we create a lifestyle where death can be embraced as the natural part of existence that it is and finally by accepting and embracing death one can live a meaningful life so just lay back and listen in hello tom thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast it's a pleasure having you here well thank you for welcoming pranav it's a delight to be here with you today thank you you are an interfaith spiritual director you offer support in end of life companionship you have held workshops on dying matters taught dying and death course at sfu so right. what brought you to death if you don't mind me putting it that way death is around all of us um and yet many of us choose to push it away and by pushing it away we don't learn from it and in learning from it we probably live a more full life so from a very young age my my dad's family are russian heritage and they don't push death away they embrace death so uh, at a very young age i think i was probably about 4 or 5 i remember my dad taking me to a hospital out in the fraser valley uh to meet with his grandfather who was dying and i still have that vivid memory in my mind of meeting my dad's father grandpa skin and he wanted to see me i guess before he died uh but then death because that had been such a vivid thing i i think when i encountered other moments of death in my life i just made connections where i wasn't pushing them away uh and my dad didn't treat death as something to be feared there with his father so it wasn't something i was worried about and so i mean i would have conversations at one point with my mom about death and i remember um asking her so how does this work so because you're born before my me and i'm born before my <laughs> sister does that mean you die first and i i then and she well, no, it doesn't really work that way and she did her best to explain it then at the age of 26 my mother unexpectedly got cancer and died within 6 months she was 46 and i helped walk her through her death and so this if you can see death has been around me and i haven't yeah. pushed way i've been with it but so the short of it is death has been around me uh, as it's around everyone mm-hmm. however because i've been more aware of its presence around me and haven't tried to run from it but understand it i suspect that has enabled me to be more embracing of it and from your experiences through the conversations that you have had with people over time What are some of the common fears that people have surrounding death and why do you, what do you think drives those fears I would say it's twofold a lot of folks their fear of death isn't death itself it's the dying process and not wanting to have pain when they die so that is often a primary concern it's i just don't want to be in pain when i die then you go for those who fear death itself it's often those i see who didn't necessarily live a good life and so their conscience is coming to haunt them in life and so they fear the consequences of death that's interesting that's actually interesting and i think like death leaves void in the lives of loved ones left behind 
And so we fear usually of losing someone to death. And so we suffer also in the thought of losing someone to death. And it doesn't mean that people who are dying have no fear for themselves, but more so I think it is, it comes from the fear of leaving their loved ones without the support that they can give. What do you think about that? Or, or how does that play into the lives of people? What do you think about that? One thing I noticed, and I started to explore it in conversation in the 90s, was I noticed when I went to funerals that when people cried, they rarely were crying for the person who died. And I really mean rarely. They were crying for themselves. So then at one point, I had a conversation with a, f- a friend, a work colleague who was a doctor, a f- medical doctor. And I explained what I was seeing. I, I said, well, what do you think of place? She said, oh, it's, it's, it, she said in her experience, it was obvious that, well, people were sad in a sense that someone had died. They really were mourning their own mortality with their tears, but they were projecting it psychologically onto the deceased. But their words, you know, as they say in psychology, action speaks louder than words. Their words were often about themselves, not about the deceased is what I heard. Yet their tears were projected onto the deceased. So I have, I believe that well, people feel a sense of loss. And of course, medical science and or psychology may have their own interpretations on this that different from people who are rooted in more spiritual traditions, religious traditions. I have the sense that what the Western world calls loss at a deeper level is a personal awareness that our own lives will at one day be lost. And when my grandmother died in the early 2000s, well, before she died, she phoned me and said, Tommy, I'm tired. I just don't want to live anymore. And I said, you know, please explain. And she did. And she said, but I'm, you know, Karen's my sister. She's having her her child. It's due in January. And I, I just I feel I need to stay here for that. And so then I remembered that conversation the nurse had with my grandmother and I. And I said, well, Grandma, remember that conversation the nurse had with us around mom? And she said, oh, yeah. And we talked about it. I said, you know, it's all right to die if you feel you want to die. I said, uh, you know, and that opened a moment where we openly talked about our life as family, about how much we meant to one another, how much we deeply loved one another, and we spoke about our love one another there. The conversation ended naturally. Uh, We had brought her to the hospital about a month later for something. She seemed well. She died that night. This was the closest person in my life, closer than my mother. I did not shed a tear, not because I didn't love her, not because she wasn't important to me, but because we loved one another and we put closure in life to the fact she wanted to die, it actually felt natural. And so if people had those types of conversations in life, talked about how much we love one another, we respect one another, how much various people have meant to us at different stages in our life, if we actually engaged in those serious, heartfelt, important conversations in life, then when someone dies, why would there be a loss? Because death is natural. So accepting the naturalness of it, then the question is, how do we not feel something natural is a loss? We overcome that by how we relate to death in life. That's actually very, very beautiful. I 
probably have internalized it, not have put in words, but that's very wonderful. Like if you have a conversation, I think that is so true. Uh, that is so true. Like I've seen with my family, own family, and when something like that happens and when someone just holds their hand, when like someone is almost there, just hanging on in that situation and you just go hold their hand or just give your presence, make them feel like it's okay to let go now. It's But then it is happening on the hospital bed when they're like almost about to, you know, they're hanging on because of the family. It's beautiful. It's actually very good point that you said and the experience that you've had is have that conversation. People need that closure or that acceptance that it's an, like you said, it's an, and it is a natural process. And once, once you have that conversation, it makes easier for both for the, for the dying to leave peacefully and for the living to, you know, have had that conversation, have had that closure for themselves. That's, that is true. I can feel that I can, I can feel how that can make life more in a very good way, livable and live with the love and thought of the person who has passed away, having them in the thoughts and just, yeah, it's wonderful, actually. Thank you. You're not trying to push away the inevitable. Yes. Everything dies in its own time. I mean, it's one of the beautiful uh, books of the um, Jewish Bible and the Christian Bible, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, where everything in its turn, you know, so uh, an insect, a mosquito lives for three days. Uh, a human might live for three score and ten still. The sun lives for millennia. Uh, yet the sun will still die in its own way as humans will die as so that mosquito dies. We all have a time frame. So what is it about the human condition that it tries to deny the truth of existence, that death is part of existence? And instead of pushing it away constantly, which I think we're seeing during COVID, and it creates suffering, understanding it's part of life. And then our relationship, not just to death changes, but our relationship to life changes. And I actually pulled out a quote here from two of them. One is from Tolstoy. It is obvious for everyone that death expects us all in the long run. But nevertheless, we live our lives as if there will be no death. And this one from uh, Cicero, there is a certain limit to the appropriate length of any time in this world. Just as the fruits and vegetables are limited by the seasons of the year, everything should have its beginning, its life, and its ending, after which it should pass away. Wise people willingly submit to this order. When you embrace the fact that you are going to die, and it's not, it's, it's, there's nothing you can do about it, and it's just a, an acceptance, a full acceptance, then you might appreciate how life is accepted for the gift it is. You know, us being here alive in a human form on this beautiful blue planet, as it's seen from space, blue and white planet, that is a real gift. And instead of worrying about that we're going to die at a certain date and pushing it away, Embrace life as the gift it is, knowing that it has a finite period of time. And then we will live it very differently as individuals and as a collective, because we'll realize that it's so special, we need to do something special with it. So in on the same lines, continuing, are there ways in which one can mindfully practice accepting death or heal from death? 
heal as an accepting, not heal as in not pushing it away, but like accepting death mindfully. If you live your life embracing death, you are living a life in reflective awareness. And then it's almost like, um, you know, in Buddhism, they, uh, as an interface spiritual director, I'm very active in different traditions and aware and practice different traditions. Buddhism will speak to that in every single moment we are dying. And of course, science speaks to that. They speak about how the body uh, is rejuvenating and the whole human body rejuvenates every seven years or so. Well, the Buddha spoke about that 2,500 years ago before there was modern science. And that's so that even as we're living, there's aspects of our body that are dying. So one of the challenges for the West and its Western model is where the East is more collectivist and might be more able to be aware that you have to give up of self to be with others. The West promotes this idea of individualism. And in a sense, the Western model promotes the sense of self and strengthens the sense of self. And so some of the loss that you spoke of earlier, in my my way of thinking of this, is that someone has their sense of self has created, been created around attachments to in individual strong or weak attachments and when that individual is out of their life whether they die or they move or they drop the friendship or there's a family dispute the sense of loss comes because we've lost a sense of ourself and there's a an empty place in our sense of self that we don't know what to do with so if one's already died before death they realize that those empty places were created by us in a sense by our thinking patterns and we just they then become learning moments about what was my attachment to that person why did they mean so much to me um, why am i feeling loss and they become points for personal growth and awareness to deepen in our understanding about this thing called life versus just getting wrapped up in the idea of loss which then in one sense perpetuates the pain because we're we're wrapped up in the discomfort we're not trying to understand the discomfort that's a very that's a very good point to it's again creating a sense of self in that's it takes a lot for an individual to kind of go through that journey when they lose someone they it takes a journey within is is what i what i think to rediscover that and find one's own self and find the strength in one own self and not find it in others and you know have parts of you placed in others when this is something that i've been practicing also is like when you're full of yourself in the sense that when you give that give yourself the strength and the ability to deal with things and then only you can just give others and when anything happens you have yourself to go back to which is stronger always to heal you is what i feel and in the western tradition because they really promote the sense of self when you speak as you have it's perceived as selfish yet when one has engaged in a depth of spiritual practices over time they realize actually by letting go of the false self and strengthening what i would call the true self the mm-hmm. pure consciousness it actually has the opposite effect of creating selfishness it actually has the definite effect of creating more love, more compassion, mm-hmm. more empathy for others. 
It has the complete opposite of the way Western science perceives it, because Western science misunderstands the nature of self. They think it to be an, a, a true thing. You're born, in many ways, they might say, as something. Uh, and we know from spirituality that sense of self is deeply socialized. That is true. What would it look like to integrate death into our lives? And how can that change the way we live? Well, there is, um, you might read the book if you're interested in the subject, is Atul Gawande. He's an American medical doctor who wrote a book called Being Mortal. And as a doctor, mm -hmm. he realized how much North America is a death-denying culture and how much we basically, doctors do everything they can to keep people alive. And then when they can't, they're not really interested in them anymore. That's the Coles Notes version of it. So we have moved in my lifetime from having people live together as collective family units and people die in the same household to the government and the medical profession, moving seniors into homes, um, people into hospitals, and death is kept out of sight, out of mind. It has become sanitized. Now, if we return to a model where people, and I mean, there, there is the beginnings of this, but where people could die in their own home, die around their, their family, that in and of itself would transform our relationship to death because we would no longer be able to pretend it only happens to other people. It happens, it would be happening as it does in our own life and would be an intimate part of it. Also in the culture, instead of trying to pretend that medicine can solve everything, which it never can and it never will be able to, acknowledging that medical science is a tool to help us have a better quality of life and prolong life And at that point where medical science possibly is not contributing to a betterment of life, they should disappear out of the picture and allow for more social supports from society. So, I mean, for seniors, instead of putting in them homes where, and this does happen in, in, in many places in Canada, where they're given drugs to sedate them so they're not a problem, we allow people to be in places that aren't homes, but they're actually and not residents in the term they're used, they actually are given the opportunity, if they need, can't live on their own, they can live a full life as they choose to live the life, not as the medical system and the government feels is in their best interest. And we potentially then will see more seniors out and about, not just out of sight, out of mind, living life in their own unique ways. There's also in North America, Atal Gawande, I believe, speaks about this in his book, there is this youth embracing culture that actually seems to consider old age as less attractive. So instead of us promoting youthfulness as the way to be, which then you, it becomes for me as, as I age, I think it becomes pathetic where you see seniors trying to look youthful, allow people to age gracefully. And uh, that, you know, youth is, is fine, but there's a wisdom as China demonstrates there's a wisdom in old age. So allow people to be who they are at whatever age they are. Don't expect us to have to be forever young, which is a North American thing, when that's false in and of itself. Oh, those are, oh, it's all out there, whatever you touched, but people aren't given those things a thought, like from the thing that you said, like how this youthfulness is promoted instead of embracing that old age and so much pressure on people to just have that youthfulness 
no matter what and water do a lot of other things which are not natural process of aging and then try to look younger and that is so true it is so in- integrated in one's life that they do not see it that way and they when they reach a point where they cannot no matter what they do go back they suffer even harder because they have never embraced it all along their lives and that's the sad part that gives them even bigger shock and harder to accept thank you so much for being here with me and sharing your thoughts and ideas about death and i think especially in this time it's more needed and it needs to be embraced even more so that one can live life just live their life you know in in peace in some ways thank you thank you for welcoming today i appreciate it thank you for tuning in